Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. I hand-selected our special guest today. His name is Matt, and I was just so inspired by his story because I think telling the story of OCD, as we were talking about prior to filming, it's so nuanced and it's so hard to get it right. So I think you are going to just do an awesome job of leading us through your journey. It's going to be so inspirational. So Matt, thank you again so much for being here. I would love for you to just introduce yourself a little bit and start from the beginning. I know that you were diagnosed several years ago. So talk to us right from the beginning, wherever you want to start. Sure. Thanks very much, Jenna. So yeah, hi, everyone. Yeah, really excited to, to be here and have the chance to speak with you and share my story. I, I've learned a lot about OCD over the years. And so just to have the opportunity to chat with you and to be able to try and reach others and to hopefully show them that you can do this, you can get through whatever tough journey you're going through with OCD right now, because I really have been there at the rock bottom, which I'll talk a little bit about today. And, and I, but I'm in a much, much better place right now. Yeah. So my, my story, first of all, I am, I don't know if it matters, but uh, I'm presently living in Canada, but I'm originally Australian and I'm actually moving back to Australia in a month. So that's another story, but, uh, but yeah, I, I got diagnosed with OCD about 15 years ago or so, and I probably had it my whole life though, once I learned what it was, because I had no idea what my brain was doing. And uh, so it was back in around 2009 or so. And I can remember when it happened, I was walking down the street and I had this really weird thought and it was around actually, because this isn't one of my themes anymore, but it was around feeling guilt that, because I was going to Australia soon and I had guilt around it like it, it invading like the country, like the indigenous people's land and in Australia and that like I wasn't allowed to go and I wasn't allowed to stand on the ground there. And it was like, I couldn't figure out what on earth was going on in my head. And I could not shake this thought. And the whole time I was there, I just felt this guilt and this repeating thoughts about I'm not allowed to be here. I'm a bad person for being here. And I had no idea what was going on. Um, that is such a good example of like, you wouldn't Google OCD thoughts or OCD symptoms or examples of obsessions and you wouldn't find that there no. but because it's not super conventional, right? Like it doesn't mean yeah. that it's not yeah. OCD, but I can imagine like that must have been so scary for you because... Like you would probably have no way of knowing that was OCD. Oh my no. gosh. I can't even imagine. Yeah. It could ruin my whole vacation there. And anyway, and then it morphed and over the next couple of years, it went into other things and 
I had typical contamination obsessions and a lot of fear around causing harm to others, especially my loved ones. Like I would be worried that I would get sick from touching a doorknob or something red, which I thought was blood and the typical contamination fears. And I never, it was never fearful of myself getting sick. It was that I would get sick and then I would give it to my children or my, my, my family members and that kind of thing. And that became the prevailing fear for me as long as, as well as some other ones as well, but that was the main one. And uh, yeah, so I guess to talk about where I really hit rock bottom was in 2019. So this was, I'd been diagnosed and uh, knew I had OCD, but I, I went, I was taking medication. I still take medication and, but I was feeling a bit better. So I, I went off my medication and I tried to do it in a gradual way, like it was recommended. And, uh, but I ended up just having a, like a crash, I guess. And uh, again, I was on a trip when I was traveling to Australia. And uh, when I was there, my contamination at that time, my, my focus, my, my focus on my, my fear was around contamination from chemicals. And it had started with some kind of exposure to, I remember I cleaned my out, my deck or something, and then I forgot to rinse it. And, and again, you don't know where these thoughts just pop up. It was like, oh, and then my dog walked on the deck and I it walked on the soap or something. And because I was supposed to rinse it and I didn't rinse it now, like that, that's a chemical, which is now all through my house because the dogs walked it everywhere. So it got everywhere and I'm responsible. And I thought we were all going to get sick and it was around Christmas time. And so I remember sitting there watching my kids opening their Christmas presents and just sitting there almost shaking like about how they're getting contaminated from whatever soap I used to, to clean the deck. And it just went from there because when you think about chemicals, almost everything's a chemical paint. Like I couldn't touch the walls of the house because I thought that somehow like the paint was getting on my hands and then I was spreading it by touching other things. And I was looking up doing research on what does paint contain and you read or, you know, don't do that by the way. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so. You'll um, always find something awful. Oh, you'll always find something <laughs> awful. Exactly. So anyway, I remember being in Australia and I was, and I was focused on like cleaning supplies. So my mother would wipe down the table with some kind of cleaner and then, and then I couldn't touch the table because I was worried about the, the chemicals in the cleaner and that they would give us cancer and all this. And to the point where I couldn't like, I couldn't function because it was almost my mind came up with a reason for why I couldn't touch almost any particular surface or product because, and so that's when I actually went into a mental health facility for about two weeks. And I, I remember they didn't want to admit me because they said, oh, OCD is typically managed not by putting yourself into a mental facility, but I couldn't take care of my children because I, I was scared of touching them like I was, or being near them because I thought I would contaminate them. And it was really scary time for me because like about a year and a half ago, my, my wife had passed away. This is about five and a half years ago now. And so I had my kids, I had three girls and I was in this facility, couldn't function. And I was really scared, like that I was not going to be able to take care of my kids. And my family was worried and I, I could not function at all. And I was also scared of bodily fluids, either other people's or my own. So you can imagine it's just, and with all the, the chemicals, not touching walls, foods, I think maybe if they had certain ingredients in them and uh, I was in that facility and I felt like my life was over. 
it's really bad. It was a tough time. So you are highlighting so many just typical, like the hallmarks of OCD, right? Mm -hmm. It's bouncing from theme to theme. It's not maybe as conventional at first. I know that we had even talked about like long, even before this, even though you clearly hadn't been diagnosed with OCD, there are chances that something was brewing, like even when you were a teenager, right? Which is also yeah. the characteristic of it. Yeah. And I'm even getting this sense. It's the core fear seems to be for you, like almost this moral piece of because it, it wasn't really you getting sick. It wasn't necessarily no. you. It was all about could you harm other people? And then. Yes. Oh my gosh, could I handle that? Even all the way back from when you were traveling to Australia, right? That was very much about you feeling like you were going to harm other people or do something bad in this like very immoral way. So it seems like it bounced superficially from theme to theme as OCD often does, but there was this underlying sense that stayed very consistent, which was like harming others and like you being responsible for that more than anything. That's totally it. There was a, I remembered someone was I can't remember the details now but I felt our luggage had got contaminated by some cleaner or something and I couldn't I didn't want to touch the, the bags and and again it was all about that because I didn't take some kind of preventative action like I noticed something and then I didn't do something about it enough to, to clean the bags or to rinse off this clean it's chemical or whatever and then my kids would get sick. My parents would get sick. They're elderly. So when we get there, they're at higher risk. Their immunity is lower. And I should have cleaned, wiped the bags. And because I didn't, they're either going to get really sick or they're going to die. And it's my fault. And I couldn't handle that, that sense of responsibility and right. the anxiety that I would feel and the thoughts of going, how am I going to solve this problem? What do I do? And it, it like I had to solve it or, or I just couldn't tolerate it. Yeah. What I'm just getting the sense that like you, your world was becoming so small just to imagine waking up. And I've been there in my own sense, for sure. I have always felt like living in the trenches of OCD is like living in your own version of a haunted house, except it's that tiptoeing around and like anticipating fear at every corner and just the sense of urgency and desperation that you have to like want to get out. But for you, it was like food. It was your kids. It was like not even being able to touch the walls. So just yeah. the sense of your world was getting smaller. And it's interesting that when you went to the mental health facility, it's interesting, but I'm not surprised, unfortunately, that, oh, your reaction or their reaction was more so that, oh, yeah, OCD isn't typically treated in this way. I'm glad that they took you. I'm curious, like, what was your experience at that facility, despite them having that kind of misconception or not being as willing to or like accepting of you initially? What was your experience in that facility? Yeah, it's a question because I really pushed to go there and not, I didn't know whether it was going to help me or not, but I just knew that I needed to do something drastic because as you said, my world was so small, I couldn't leave my bedroom kind of thing. And so it was a, it was not like a, an OCD facility. Like it was for other kind of mental health disorders, like anxiety being one of them, so general, generalized anxiety. So I was put with a group of people who suffered from all sorts of different kind of types of anxiety. And I also did have some one-on-one -on -one time with a psychiatrist there. And I think, so after, after a couple of weeks there, and I was supposed to say three weeks, but halfway through the second week, I realized, and this was talking to the psychiatrist too, is that the program was probably not going to help me because, and I didn't really know this at the time, but I think as, and, and I know from following all your posts and having had the chance to see a great therapist who knows a lot about OCD since that time is 
the treatment for OCD is rather specific. It might be nuanced a little bit for everybody, depending on individual differences, et cetera, but it's quite specific in terms of ERP and not ritualizing and others. There's some other related therapies, but general kind of just talk about it and managing anxiety is, is not the solution. So I, I figured that after about a week and a half, I think it was good that it did remove me from the normal environment I was in and just, I was able to just take care of me. I didn't have to worry about my kids. Someone else was taking care of them. I just needed to focus hundred percent on getting my mental health back. And so it was good from that perspective. But after a couple of weeks, I realized, okay, I need more specific one-on-one -on -one tailored treatment for OCD. And so I felt I wasn't ready to leave though, because I was still, I still had the fears of my, the ones I'd mentioned around the chemicals, et cetera, and things like that. But I pushed myself to leave, but knowing that I then started seeing a psychologist twice a week who zeroed in on my particular obsessions, et cetera. And, uh, and I started to get the treatment that I needed, but it was tough. It was tough to leave because I knew I wasn't ready, but I did it anyway. And I, and that was the first time too, where I, and I felt like, you know what, I'm going to have to do that with OCD. You got to face your fears. Like it's really thing I've learned about OCD is it's so tough because the way, at least for me to get better is to put yourself through hell in a way. I don't know. For me, it was anyway, at least like, because uh -huh. you have to do the things that you're most afraid of. And so there's yeah. a really good analogy by Dr. John Grayson. I'm yep. not sure if you're familiar with his work. Yeah. I've read his book. I've read one of his books. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. But he, in order to help therapists really understand the gravity of what we are asking our clients with OCD to do when we do exposures. And there's lots of benefits to understanding why we need to take that so seriously. We don't want to take it lightly. We want to honor the mm -hmm. process. We want to not push them in a way that's not collaborative. He says, and I'm not going to get it completely right, but he says it's essentially as if somebody is asking you, I have this gun. And there are six barrels in it. I don't know if that's even the proper terminology, but there's six empty barrels. There's one bullet and the other five are empty. If I held that gun to your, my son's face, right? But I gave mm -hmm. you a million dollars. I gave you a million dollars to spin it, right? And to yep. shoot the gun, would you do yep. it? And I'd be like, yep. absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. And then he goes yeah. even further and he's, what if I gave you a billion dollars? Absolutely not. Like it's not even, yeah. it's not even on the table. Yeah. I don't care if you give me 500 million thousand yeah. billion yeah. dollars. I'm still not going to do it. Yeah. And he goes, what if it's a special kind of gun that has 3000 empty barrels and there's only one bullet? Uh -huh. in it? I'm absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. But that's what we're asking people to do when yep. they jump into exposure land. Yep. And when they are asked to stop doing these rituals, and of course, we make every effort to make things challenging, but manageable. And I hope that the first exposure that someone doesn't quite feel like that, but it can. No. That's what it can feel like for people that you are literally asking them to do this absolutely horrifically terrifying thing. And they have such they don't care about the stakes, right? Like they don't care yep. that they could get the billion dollars. It's the stakes are so high. So that always rings really true for me. Yeah, it really, because I've learned a lot, like it really, when you're, when the OCD thoughts, when I feel like it's like my OCD is switched on, it's so real. And like you say, the fear is so real. It is like almost a life and death situation. It feels like perception is reality, right? And sometimes I'll think back 
like when I'm, I, that has passed and I look back and I think, God, like that, I can't even make myself feel scared about that right now. If I right. on purpose, it's so weird wild? how the brain, how the, it is wild. It's such a, fa- I, have, I find I've said this to my therapist a few times. It's such a fascinating disorder because yeah, you can be having these thoughts and these, and obviously when you're in a bit of a, like a really bad spiral, you can't, you don't have the perspective, like, but if it's, if you can just, when you're able to step back a little bit and observe yourself and how you're thinking, it's so weird that you can think like that. And then also have the ability to observe and be aware that your brain is kind of operating in a way which you can't comprehend and later has no impact on you. But at the time it was part like, of what I think is so maddening. Like yeah. you, yeah. I think John Grayson has also mentioned that OCD is losing your mind enough to go crazy but still having enough like of enough logic and wherewithal to see it happen yeah yeah that's it that's that's logically see yourself going crazy and like it's absolutely terrifying yeah yeah it really is really is yeah so i'm curious what was your experience like once you finally did start to get the right help? I'm so glad that eventually you did. And it seemed like hopefully there wasn't too big of a lapse in care, but it seems like you eventually did get someone who was knowledgeable about exposure and response prevention and OCD. So talk to us about what that was like. Yeah. So I ended up coming back. Like, uh, so I stayed in Australia for this is after I got out of the facility for about three months. And it was a tough time because my kids had come back to Canada ahead of me and a friend was looking after them. But, and again, I did start to see a psychologist there who was helpful, but it was really when I got back to Canada. And again, that was like a step I knew I had to take. I had to go back to be around my kids. And again, I, I didn't feel quite ready. I, I still had a lot of triggers and I had gone back on my medication. My psychiatrist told me that it would probably take about two to three years before I got back to the place I was before I stopped taking the medication, which was like, I had a CD, but it was like manageable. And so I came back and I was very fortunate to find a therapist who just really like you, actually, I feel like you really get OCD, how it works. And this therapist did for me. And it was interesting because it was around the same time the pandemic started. And so I only saw him once in, in his office and then it was all online and it was over the phone. And I thought, oh, now I can't even go and see my therapist. And, but he, but he taught me a lot and actually he helped me do exposures in my house and he would do them with me. Like he would be on the phone while I was doing them. And I felt like that made a big difference because if he had said to me, okay, let's say I was in the office and he said, okay, go home and we're going to maybe do these exposures this week. Maybe I would have done them. Maybe not. I don't know. But because he was right there with me on the phone, I felt like I had his support while I was going through the exposure and feeling the anxiety. So that was really interesting. I think it was actually beneficial. But he was the one who really started to teach me about the concept of, I remember this, he said this, he said, we're going to, anxiety is a good thing. And I've moved away from that a little bit, but he, what he meant by that was, he said, what, why are you here? What do you want? And I said, I just want to be able to do what I want when I want. I don't want to have all these thoughts interrupting me and having to do all these compulsions all the time to get through the day. I'm losing so many hours. Like. I was losing minimum like two hours a day, maybe more, three. It was mental you know. gymnastics. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, so he taught me, he said, we want, he said, we want the anxiety. He says, because right now you're trying to take the anxiety away. Like you're doing all these compulsions to make the anxiety go away, whether I'm washing my hands or whether I'm reassuring myself mentally or asking for reassurance from others that things are going to be okay or something wasn't dangerous that I touched, etc. And he said, so you're trying to make the anxiety go away. He said, we want the anxiety because that would mean if you're feeling anxious, it means that you haven't done a compulsion. And he said, for you, where you're at, guys, that's a good thing because you need to get your brain used to the fact that it's going to approach things differently. So when you do an exposure and you feel anxiety, he said, you tell yourself it's a good thing. And that was, that blew my mind at first because I'd never been, no one had ever explained it to me like that. It's um, totally paradoxical. It, it is. It I've is. I've been literally spending the past however many years trying to get yeah. rid of this. And now you're telling yeah, me trying you to want get... it. Yeah, exactly. He was saying, what do you mean? I want this. I don't want it. I don't. I send it back. <laughs> and he was saying, well, the goal is eventually like the, this is the way to, to have the anxiety go away. But that was one of the first things that he taught me. And he, to further that, Dr. Reed Wilson, yeah. who's one of my favorite superstars. Yes, we had he's talked great about, He specifically preaches, he says, want what you don't want. And if we can truly understand the whole ERP process, once you have the knowledge of what OCD is and how it is fueled by rituals, and then you understand exposure and response prevention, and you understand how that works, and the knowledge is there, your strategy has to be to want what you don't want, right? Like you, in order to get what you want, you need those opportunities where you have the experience of practicing response prevention. Like you Absolutely. need those opportunities. It's the equivalent of it's the equivalent of like what you want to do is to go from a couch to a 5K. Like you've never been a runner before, but you want to eventually run a 5K. Like you welcome the feeling of being out of breath. You welcome the feeling of your legs hurting a little yes. bit. You're getting yes. str- it's a sign that you're getting stronger. It's a sign that your lungs are increasing in capacity. It's a sign that your legs are doing something different than what it's done before. And of course, it's uncomfortable, but it's a sign that you are going in the direction of where you want to go. And there's no way through this process without experiencing anxiety. There's just no way around it. No, there isn't. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's I see it. It's like anything. And it's taken me like I've been seeing this therapist for about three years. And it's really only in the last six to eight months where I feel like my brain has started to turn the corner and having the capability to just process thoughts differently. And I've created a new pathway of thinking in my right. brain through practice. Which literally happens, right? Like, I don't know yes, if you just metaphorically, he, but it actually happens with, yeah, he, path, uh, with those repeated learning experiences. You literally are building new neural pathways and whatever you, your brain follows this principle of if you don't use it, you lose it. It literally will prune out old neuronal pathways that you do not use anymore. So the same way that I don't remember anything from my seventh grade history class, because I don't practice it, I'm not telling my brain that's important. If you continue yep. to touch walls and you continue to yep. be around your family, right? Like eventually your brain is going to prune out yep. the previous information that said that was bad and that was scary, but it takes time. That's totally it. It takes time and it takes, it's just like sometimes I say to people explaining this is it's practice. It's just like learning a musical instrument. Like you have to practice, right? So you have to practice touching the walls like you have to practice yeah just not like feeling anxious and being okay with it and just getting on with your day anyway and uh, so it took a lot of like a lot of practice like it takes a lot of practice unfortunately like it is work 
It is hard work, but that's okay. Like most things, it's the way life is. Most things that are worth having for the year, you got to work for them. That's all the same, like nothing comes easy, that kind of thing. We, I have a colleague who, who he said, actually, I can talk about this a little bit later too, is so I've been part of a support group here in Ottawa and for OCD, which has been just tremendous, been a big part of my journey as well and helping me recover is she used to say, it's really hard, but you can do hard things. And that was something which also resonated with me. I was like, yeah, I can, I can do hard things. I can do this. So yeah, it's a lot of hard work. And the other thing that the therapist like taught me over the last couple of years, I guess it was like, yeah, so definitely that. And yes, the brain, the pathways thing taught me that as well. Taught me about the concept of rumination, like rumination, which, which I do a lot as a compulsion. And that was another big one for me. And that, that really, I think transformed like the way that I thought about OCD is because I would ruminate forever, like about, okay, how do I start, you know, okay, so this thing was, so now if I touch this and then now that, what am I going to do about it for the next three days and how will it, I would be trying to solve the problem and it do I need to clean? so automatic. I, that exactly. is like, the most commonly asked question. I think it's the biggest area of difficulty for people with OCD. I don't think anybody doesn't ruminate. I think that it's like yeah. the approach of compulsions because I feel it, like it's the last one to stand. You can you can touch the wall. You can yeah. you know, stop asking for reassurance, but how do you stop ruminating? And exactly people feel that, so hopeless because it's okay. I understand that I need to resist my compulsions in order to get better, but how do I resist this thing that is literally so automatic? Now I know different because I know that rumination is a compulsion. And I know that there's a difference between a thought and thinking, but I am so curious to hear it from your perspective. Yeah. What made that sink in for you? And how do you continue to practice that on a daily basis? Because it is such a huge problem for people. It's a, yeah, I can totally get that. It was, and still is sometimes a problem for me. The light bulb really, really the light, light bulb really went off when I understood the concept of rumination as a compulsion. And it was just like washing my hands. If I felt my hands dirty, like the act of washing my hands. So the act of continuing to think and figure out and analyze. And it's like the same as washing my hands. If I, from a compulsive, not washing your hands from a compulsive point of view, not when it's really necessary or whatever. Anyway, I won't get into when it's really necessary or not. That's a whole other conversation of right. Right. Yeah. Sure. I understand what you're saying. Like it has the same yeah. impact. It's not, yeah. Like, yeah. it's not like better. It's not. Yeah. Like a exactly. lighter log that you're throwing on the fire. Like a compulsion is a compulsion. Now, I would argue right. that mental ones like you're mentioning are even worse. Like I think sometimes they that, even have more of a punch because they can be so subtle. Yeah, no, exactly. And so one thing that I worked on was, was I would write, like, I remember saying, okay, my, my therapist would say to me, okay, we're not going to, you're trying to figure out this problem that you created in your head. So we need to just leap. There were a couple of things. Number one is we're just, we're not going to figure it out. So we're just going to take that problem and we're just going to leave it in the universe, right? So we're just going to leave it there. We're not going to, we're not going to try and figure it out. We're not going to get some kind of resolution. We're not going to feel responsible for that choice. We're just going to take that problem and say, I don't know. I just don't know. And again, this concept of uncertainty, which it all boils down to as well, OCD, you've said it, I know I've read it in your posts around it's the doubt disorder, right? It's just being comfortable with not knowing with uncertainty because really certainty doesn't exist. And I've learned that it doesn't, it really doesn't. So we're chasing something that doesn't exist. And for me, what kind of worked was, I don't know why, but it was just to say in my head, 
first it was, I'm not going to figure this out. So here's, here comes the problem and the thoughts and the rumor and no, I'm not going to figure this out. And then my therapist said to me, says, instead of saying, you're not going to figure it out, you say, I refuse to figure this out. It was like the change in the verb to, I refuse, like I'm making a choice here, right? Like I'm, I am just, I refuse brain to go down that and then go and do something else. Like I found for me, movement was, was always helpful. So I'd go for a walk. I would go around the block. Like I would interrupt my day if I was working from home on my computer or whatever. And if I just couldn't shake, like it just kept bugging me. Like I had to change my environment, distract myself by doing something else. And this but is not you distracting yourself from the obsession. This is not no. distracting. Oh my gosh, don't think no. about that. Oh my gosh, I can't handle no. just about that. No, you're distracting yourself from doing the compulsion, which is totally fine and totally yeah. different. So I think exactly. that's a really big thing there. Like you were just moving on with your day when you like, exactly. had this, you had this kind of that thought can either be there or cannot be there, but I still refuse to figure it out. <laughs> so yeah. And that became the key when I learned too, like around that the goal is not to make the thoughts go away. Right. That was huge as well. So you just say, I refuse to figure this out. And the fact that maybe my brain is still trying to figure it out in the background is irrelevant. I'm just going to, I'm not even going to ignore it because of the fact like when I say that, the, you want to ignore it, but at the act of actively ignoring, if you are engaging in totally. any way, shape or form with that compulsive thought, then you're going to make it worse because you're just giving it credence. You're just giving it credibility. And you're giving, I always think of it like if all of our thoughts were actors on a stage, like you're just shining yeah. the spotlight on that. Think about exactly. That's that yeah. you're giving that thought. Yeah. So to just say, and then it just became practice, like the way I did, and it wasn't easy at first, but I've really realized the last six to eight months, my brain is getting better and better at the thought does just fade away on its own without me actively trying to do anything about it. And it might be there for a while, but eventually it goes. And it goes sooner than before. And because I think I have those new neural pathways now. Oh. And uh, yeah. And so just the whole idea of not focusing at all on, I think you've said this as well, is the, the content doesn't matter. It's, I've learned to recognize there's a thought process. There's a way pattern of thinking, which happens with OCD. And after a while you get pretty good at recognizing it and the content it could be anything, no matter what the theme is that you're dealing with, whether it was, again, with the indigenous people in Australia or whether it was chemicals or whether it was whatever. Because another thing which I just, oh yeah, I thought about this is my therapist blew me away with. I said to him once, I said, okay, I get all this, but how do you know if it's OCD right. or it's a real, if it's a real I was literally just concern? going to say, I yeah. am always trying to imagine myself listening to this for the, if I'm listening for the first time or someone is yeah. listening in their car, they yeah. but Matt, how do you not ruminate about, how do you not answer that question? How do you yeah. not, how, and, how? Yeah. yeah. How do you know this is OCD or this is a real concern that I really need to do something about? Because look, Hey, like this, in this particular situation, look, if I, and there's always some, sometimes for me, like I can find some logic somewhere, you know what? Yes. This bad thing could happen. Like maybe this is toxic and maybe there a bit does get on the windowsill and I touch it and then my daughter touches it and licks her finger and your brain will, OCD is very good at coming up with plausibilities or whatever. And so and maybe even this just is then, a, right? Like you're talking yourself into it, not out of it. Yeah. I, so yeah. Like, yeah. So, so I'm like, I need you to be in the business of talking yourself out of this shit versus talking yeah. yourself into it. We're not, yeah. we're, we don't do that anymore. We don't talk ourselves yeah. out of it. 
things anymore. Yeah. And, but when I asked that question, I said, so how do you know if it's OCD or not OCD? And he, you know what he said? He said to me, does it matter? Exactly. Oh, and, and I we, love your psychiatrist. <laughs> I know. He, like, he's awesome. Like, he, I almost felt, I just looked at, I just, I was actually was on the phone. I remember. And I just said, and then like, I realized, oh my God, he's right. It doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't. It's all about like, how am I going to choose to deal with this problem? And again, I think like if you might've been a recent post that I read of yours on Instagram, where you said, oh, you can think and think, but at some point you have to have a plan. And then that's right. like the action, right? Like you, you, either you do it or you don't, but at some point you're going to deal with it. Like, but just doing all the thinking is not getting you anywhere. So that's why whether it's OCD or not OCD, it's irrelevant. It's if you want to choose to just think about something all day, fine, but that's not going to solve any problems. That was transformational for me as well. Uh, because then I it just made me- your psychiatrist yeah. and I love you. <laughs> so amazing. And because no. sometimes I tell people this stuff and they're like, it's crazy. Like, how do I not, how do I not think about whether this could harm my child? But it's, yeah. they just got to hear it from someone else. So it feels really good to know that there are other professions. And I know that logically myself, but it's yes, like this is what you need to do. Like, I'm not just it crazy is. over here talking the crazy talk. This is actually <laughs> what you really need to do. You do. And I, it's, it's worked for me. I, like I said, three years, three, four years ago, like I was in this mental health facility, not able to thinking that my kids were going to go have to live with their grandparents or something. And, and now here I am like back at work, taking care of my girls by myself, living my life. And now this is not to say that OCD doesn't affect me. It does. In fact, I probably deal with OCD on a daily basis, like in terms of little things like, and my brain is constantly, it's like, again, it's, it's, it's on the lookout. Like it's always on the lookout. It's searching for stuff to worry about. It just, I don't know. It's just and how I think my brain our brains, as people who have OCD and anxiety and I don't know if you even, I believe that people can get to the point where they no longer meet diagnostic criteria for OCD anymore. Right. I don't believe right. that I any longer meet diagnostic criteria for okay. OCD, but I will always have a brain that leans cautious. Like my brain yes. will always lean cautious. And yeah. I am never going to be like my husband, who's just super unflappable and like solves problems when they become problems. Like mm -hmm. I'm always going to lean that way. The same way that like I love blue like it's yeah. things yeah. that make us who we are and i think yeah. we can like identify ways to make that better in our life obviously so we have the prefrontal cortex we can obviously execute our decision making and our values over fear but at the yeah. end of the day our brains are always going to probably lean a little bit more anxious but that doesn't mean that you can't live an awesome life like my life is absolutely. amazing um absolutely. i don't care to get rid of my anxiety because it doesn't really stop me from doing anything. Like I, yep. I get asked to do this in September. I was asked to do a huge speaking event, super terrifying. I don't really care. I'm doing it, right? Like I'm doing it. So it doesn't yep. like the anxiety can either be there. It cannot be there. I don't mind it because it doesn't interfere yep. with my life. And that's what's most important. Yeah, no, for sure. The other thing that, that, that made me think of too, is the, the concept of, and this has really helped me a lot is acceptance, accept, acceptance and commitment therapy is, is something that's helped me as, as, as well. And without getting into all the details, but basically it's just accepting the way that you're feeling, accepting the thoughts, like accepting that they're not doing anything about them, just accepting them and then directing your attention to what you value and what you want to be doing in your life. 
and then the thoughts can come along for the ride if they want. And another thing that actually the same colleague who said about how you can do hard things is she said once, like sometimes she'll be, she, like she'll be going on a vacation or doing something enjoyable and she'll have anxiety and OCD might be a little louder than normal. And she'll say, instead of enjoying this, just like a hundred percent and everything, maybe today, like it's going to be 60% just because, and I'm going to be bothered a bit by this anxiety, but. I'm going to accept that, that that's just today and that, that that's okay. And I'm not going to fight it. Because otherwise and, what we do is we have that pain and then we resist it. And exactly. And then that into suffering. And so yeah. that's yeah. such a great example of, okay, I'm at 60% today. I yeah. can either accept that and roll with it and accept it just like you said, and I'm going to enjoy it 60%. Or maybe I even eventually, I get to the point where it even goes up to 70%, yeah. 80%, yeah. right? Because yep. of my willingness to accept it and just carry that with me and move on. But yep. when you start to resist it, because we really yep. only have two choices when it comes to anything. We either accept it or we resist it. Yeah. So yep. when you start to resist it and, oh my gosh, I'm only at 60%. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to do the things that I want to do. This totally stopped mm -hmm. by me. Yeah. Okay, now you're at 50. Now yeah. you're yeah, at 50. Yeah, exactly. Then you're yes. going to be at 30. And then you just call off the whole vacation. And it's <laughs> not, we, the pain, we cannot help. That is part of life. And it's especially part of living a worthwhile life. Like you have more opportunity for pain now, how, like when you're not just confined to your room, right? Like as yep. soon as you go out of your comfort zone, you have, you are vulnerable. You are opening yourself up to pain, but it's a rite of passage to living a really beautiful life. But if you resist that, then you get into suffer mode. And that is no good. We don't need to be in suffering. No, we don't. And related to that, like not suffering, like we don't need to be, is that do you need, the other thing that's really helped me in my recovery is the concept of being kind to yourself and self-compassion. And because I think people with OCD, I don't know, I might be generalizing here, but probably maybe people who have perfectionistic kind of type OCD, they tend to be kind, they beat themselves up. They're very high standards. And it's not bad to have high standards, but at the same time, it's like, you're always never going to be good enough, like whatever you're doing. And to accept that, you know what, maybe it's another thing my therapist said to me was it's okay to do the wrong thing. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to, yeah, to not always be right and to accept and treat if you are feeling like down about something or you, maybe you feel like you could have done something better or you're feeling guilty about something. And again, it may be OCD related or not is to then say, cut yourself a break and say, okay, that I I'm doing my best. And that was the best I had today and accepting that and thinking about that. If you had a really close friend or a family member who came to you with whatever challenge you were having in your head, what would you say to them? You would probably say, Hey, don't be so hard on yourself. You did your best. Maybe what can we do to try and make it better? Or let's go have an ice cream or feel like in just, and then you, you process it a bit and then you move on. And to do that, what I've got, I find has been really helpful for me is that to do that to myself, like, and give myself permission to have not been perfect that day. Maybe I didn't quite clean that up a hundred percent, or maybe I didn't do everything I could with that particular project at work today, but I was a bit tired or, you know what, maybe I just wasn't feeling it. Or maybe even today, like I was feeling a bit lazy and that's okay. And being kind to yourself, just like you would be to someone else that has made a really big difference for me in terms of dealing with OCD for sure. Yeah. 100%. Oh my gosh. 
I could literally talk to you forever. I just looked at the time and I feel like we didn't even get to talking about your late wife and relationship. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. I'm just going to have to have you back. I'm just going to have to have you back. I was listening to this is that I was in a place where I was in the depths of OCD within it, it held within its grasp. And now I'm able to talk about it in a way where I've learned about it and it's, I still do have bad days. Like I have some tough days, but I'm able to talk to you, talk to others, talk to the support group I go to and try and help others about it. So I'd love to come back anytime because I, I love now being in the position where I've been through something and I get it and I know how hard it is and it's awful. I wouldn't wish OCD on anybody. It is horrible and a horrible disorder and there's not enough understanding in society about the, the tremendous impact it can have, negative impact that it can have on people's lives. So if I can just help one person, then that makes me feel good. And so, yeah, really, I'd be happy to try and help people who are going through with this, going through this, uh, because you can't, you can get better. You can, you absolutely can. Yeah. I love that so much. And I normally have a good feel for what's going to be like one of the best episodes or one of the crowd faves. And I think this one is going to be it just because you hit on so many of the most difficult aspects of having OCD, like it bouncing from theme to theme, the rumination, obviously. And I love that you were able to get through the other side. Like you, it's just, it's beautiful. And I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I know I, I want to only take you for just a couple more minutes. I would love yes, for you to just envision someone out there who's just finding this. Maybe they're new to OCD and they're really mm. struggling maybe with rumination, feeling, oh my gosh, this is a real thing. I can't not mm. do my compulsions. I'm so scared mm -hmm. to do treatment or make change. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them and think about hope, right? And wanting to instill some hope. What would you say to them? So I think that word that you just said, hope, is really important because that was said to me too. It's like probably one of the most important things that you can hang on to is the hope, the hope that things will change and that it won't, even if OCD is telling you that it's going to be like this forever, is it's not true. And I'm living proof that it's not true. I've been where you are, wherever you are right now, feeling that this is hopeless. I have been there and you need to understand that Unfortunately, there isn't an easy fix, but there is a fix and it will take practice. It will take some hard work. It's going to take some effort, but just like anything else in life that, that requires those things that you can benefit then from that effort that you're putting in and you can change. And so I would say, have patience, educate yourself, listen to Jenna, follow Jenna's, uh, listen, listen to her to podcast. Jenna, I love it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> and. And, and I always uh, tell people, like, trust it like gravity. Like, even yeah. if it, you have to trust, and like, you have you to do. have Find, that point. I was going to say, get, it's tough. Like, get, listen, like, that's so why I said, listen to Jenna because she knows how it works and it, it works. Her process works. The concept of that you don't need to fight this. You don't need to figure all this out. And, but you need to train your brain to just accept whatever it is that, that you're thinking about. And you don't really need to do anything about it. What would I say to someone? I would also say the answer when you don't have the answer and you have OCD is do nothing. It's just do nothing. And anxiety is an emotion like any other emotion, like happiness, sadness, anger, frustration, envy, joy, whatever, you name it. And as a human, 
we never experience all those things forever. They change, right. they come and go, and anxiety is just like that. So you have to learn to tolerate it. If we let it. it, right? If we yes. let it. I was literally if just you... on Instagram before hopping on here, and they it said on one of my recent posts, but it really does feel like my anxiety doesn't go down unless I do my compulsion, and it's yeah. You need to let it, right? Like you need to let it. Around, you do. Right? Like you need it, to let it. Bring it around. It's because you are making a home for it. So how are yeah. you making a home for it? Exactly. No, that's exactly it. So I would say to someone is hang in there and uh, but find yourself like the resources you need. And uh, Jenna's definitely got them. You're at the right spot. If you're listening to this, then you know you'll be able to educate yourself. And, uh, and then just to hang in there and, uh, and know that there is another side. There absolutely is because uh, I'm sitting on it. That's going to make me cry. Matt, thank you <laughs> so much for being here. I will 100% have you back in the future if you will have me. Um, absolutely. I'm going to talk to you about so many other things. And oh my gosh, like I have. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. This is going to change so many lives. I will be sure to let you know. Like when I get the tons of DMs and emails that I'm sure I will get, like of the Matt fan club, that is for sure to be fine. Thank you so much. I don't know about that, but thank you. Thank you so much when I saw the opportunity for someone to come and chat with you. And I was, I was so excited when you reached out to me after and because I'm such a big fan of your page, your Instagram page and everything that you do, because what it speaks to me so much. And I'm sure it speaks to thousands of people and gives them the hope that they need. So thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about OCD and to try and help as many people as we can. Amazing. If what you're hearing sounds kind of a little bit too right up your alley and you haven't checked them out yet, I want you to go after this episode and check out my master classes. No more band-aids for OCD and anxiety. We are going to conquer this thing once and for all together. And yes, with or without a therapist. I have master classes available on my website that start at $27. I am here for you. You can go to my website right now, www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com and click masterclasses. These are all based on evidence-based strategy that works and they are truly the perfect blend of education, motivation, and step-by-step strategies that you can use right away. So again, go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash masterclasses. Two crowd faves, just so you know, are the OCD and anxiety cycle and ERP basics. When you want to learn more about OCD and anxiety, this masterclass is the answer to finally understanding all of your confusing and paralyzing thoughts. By the end of these masterclasses, you are going to feel so much less alone and you'll be like, oh my God, finally someone gets it. So many people who have been in treatment for years took the OCD and anxiety cycle masterclass and told me that they still learned so much. Then we have the ERP basics masterclass. That's for when you're actually ready to take action with OCD and anxiety. And that is ultimately your best starting point. You're going to get all the information that you need to start implementing actionable steps right away. No longer is ERP going to seem like the paradoxical and totally freaking backwards intervention that you probably think it is. It will make so much sense. And by the end of it, you may just be a little bit excited to get started. So head to my website, www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash masterclasses to get started.
Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.